Hello and welcome to Yagmoth Soap Opera, episode 60, Olympic Cards Slinging for Gold. I'm Andy and I'm joined by the regular co-hosts of Josh and Zach. Going to have a look at some classic fun today. So guys, um, what have you been up to this week and uh, what should we talk about? Well, we got a big tournament coming up and uh, I think that's really the topic of the hour here. Definitely. That would be cool. So we've made some traction with that now. How are we going on? Well, um, I think it was two nights ago now, uh, Scott, a.k.a. Enderfall, uh, decided to post, maybe it was last night, I don't know, um, decided to post the uh, the layout of the tournaments, how we're going to be running them, uh, hopefully how we're going to be paying them. Uh, I say hopefully because I'm still waiting for an answer from Watsy. Uh, I've gotten in contact with Chris Kiritz. Hopefully we'll get some support there. If not, you know, it's kind of on the community, uh, as we've been talking about. Andy, uh, what was... What was the last big happening since we last chatted about the buy-in? Well, I think the buy-in's been kind of ruled out because it's in violation of the Code of Conduct, mostly to do with the gambling laws internationally. Uh, so unfortunately, we won't be able to have an official buy-in, but there's nothing to stop us having donations and asking the community to support to the prize fund, and we would hope that people were generous and considerate in, in what they can offer up and, and keep in mind the kind of value we were looking at for a buy into this tournament. Um, and hopefully we can still use that as a, a leverage to get a nice big uh, pot to go into the uh, into the Invitational. Wow. I've never ter- heard the word leverage said as leverage. But that I totally agree with you. I hope um, we're not asking too much. We're not trying to get blood from a stone because... Struggling format and asking people to pay for a struggling format usually don't go hand in hand. I mean, I hope we can overcome that. But I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Josh? How, what do you how do you see this playing out? Well, I think it's it's better than just trying to fire daily events. Um, and I think it's the form the structure of the events is actually better than than the what we were doing before with MMOGs leagues, just because we've committed to a longer-term plan, so so people know they're going to be able to play these classic cards for the year to come here in this in these events, and so hopefully people are willing to support that. You know, the other thing, too, is you have to think in a, in a daily event, in a premier event, any sanctioned event from WOTC, you have a lot of the tickets going to them, and then something like this, anything you donate is going to be put right back into the prize pool. You know, we're not going to take a, a bit of it. Danger, a.k.a. Mike, a.k.a. the, the leader of uh, Classic Quarters, not going to touch any of the proceeds. Um, it's all going to be transparent, and it's all going to come right back into the pool. So hopefully we do well. Um, what was the gist of Scott's tournaments there, Andy? Uh, so what he was proposing was to have four qualifying tournaments, and these four qualifying tournaments would sync up with the major set releases. So that would be the summer core set, um, and then the three block sets from the next block, which is uh, Return to Ravnica. So basically four four mini tournaments, um, each one of those will qualify the top eight for the Invitational. So we're looking at likely at getting um, sort of five rounds of Swiss going on. There's an opportunity to get a buy as well. Um, and, all of the uh, people that qualify will then feed into this big classic invitational at the end of the year um, for a chance to shoot off for the prize fund. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, basically our, our, our main goal is going to be to make that invitational look as juicy and tempting as possible for everybody who's, uh, 
who's going to be involved with it, you know, from the top to the bottom, the people who just want to qualify and make it to the Invitational, the people who are putting on the tournament. Um, I know Scott, a.k.a. Enderfall, has been mentioning that he does definitely want to play in the tournament. So, you know, we, we do have to ask the community if there's a problem, conflict of interest or anything like that. What do you guys think about that? It should basically everybody be okay to play in it? Um, I think so. All the deck lists are going to be made publicly available, so there's not going to be like the TO is going to have any advantage on knowing deck content. The only area where you could possibly argue that the TO would have an advantage to playing is um, by fixing the pairings, uh, which obviously isn't going to happen because we're going to have some sort of transparent mechanism to do that. The other would be if there needed to be some kind of ruling on um, a decision or a game state. I know whilst MMOG was running the league, there were some issues around certain cards not functioning in client as they should. And in that instance, MMOG had to take a decision about how to resolve that. Um, so I think there could be some conflict there. But as long as we find a way of managing it, it could be that we set up maybe like um, a league um, steering committee. Um, so rather than one person making a decision, there's maybe four people making a decision. And if there's a conflict of interest identified, then one of those four could drop out in that voting process. I think Watsi's done a, a pretty good job taking care of any of the bugs that we had during that MMOG league that we ran into trouble with. So those yeah, cards shouldn't be a problem. You never know what might creep up with future builds, um, so it's always useful to have some kind of mechanism to resolve issues. And I, I know that, that um, Danger Linter also ran into some difficulties around the time of uh, Legacy being released online as well. So sometimes things come up that we're not necessarily prepared for and um, the community needs to make a decision on, on those events. But I don't see any reason why uh, Enderfall should be, should be excluded from taking part just because he's, uh, he's a tournament organizer. Definitely, and, uh, you know, for ease of, uh, I guess, or for better explanation, um, let's go over real quick what the rules are. You guys mentioned it's going to be, you know, four tournaments, uh, six rounds if it's over 33, typically going to be about five rounds if it's under, uh, cut to the top eight. Everything's going to be done using DCI Reporter. Um, same function and format as MMOG had with the Classic League, as they just, as we just mentioned, everything's going to be posted. Uh, all the deck lists will be posted. Uh, there will be a cutoff time for when to put the decks in. Um, I'd definitely like to point you guys to ClassicQuarter.com slash forum. And uh, under Classic General, it'll be one of the top posts there. Uh, the title, of course, is CQ League featuring the Classic Invitational. And uh, you can quickly look over the rules, how to register, how to qualify for the Invitational. Um, really, uh, our, our thoughts, this has been kind of like a, a long-going process here. We've all been talking about it for a while, and we decided to move ahead. I mean, we, we can't go with the, uh, the mandatory entry fee, but I, I think we'll be fine um, as far as the tournament goes. I mean, just depending on the, show, the number of people who show up. Yeah, it's unfortunate we ran into... Some online gaming laws there. A lot of, you know, the paper world obviously gets to have entry fees into their events. but And depending yeah. on when this goes up, um, something really important is the first qualifying tournament, uh, Scott says, is going to commence and start pairings and everything on August the 13th. Um, I think Friday is the 9th. So... Or excuse me, Friday's the 10th, so this usually goes up on Thursdays. I don't know when it's going to go up, but depending on when it is, you guys need to get over there and, and get it in there as quick as possible because 
midnight Eastern time on Saturday the 11th, which will give you about two, two and a half days, is the cutoff for entering the first tournament. Of course, the first tournament, like we said, you're going to have qualifying spots for the Invitational. It's important you don't miss one. I mean, considering there's only four, yeah, it's 25% of the whole field. Yeah, well, sounds sounds great. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting these Invitational uh, qualifiers underway and um, see what kind of decks can get brewed up and uh, see if anything spicy happens. Try and get the uh, the format live and kicking again, get people um, working out new decks and um, having fun with the format. What what kind of decks do you think are going to be you know the big hitters? I mean, what we've seen in Classic with the last couple of... Uh... I guess evolutions has been like you know stacks at one point, dredge at one point, oath at one point, fish at one point. Now we're looking at what Delver. I mean, what what are we looking at here? What do you guys? Yeah, I think the at the end of last season, the, the kind of the Delver um, four library decks were really kind of the creme de la creme of the format. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those being um, hugely successful again in this event. Yeah, as much as it's it was a way for at least during the winter celebration times, I think people should be prepared for a stacks type deck because our own clan mate Montolio moneyed both uh, of the Ham on Rye events with different stacks builds, so it's still got the power to get there. Yeah, stacks is no joke. Um, I definitely think against most of the field, it's, it's a heck of a deck. The only decks it really has a problem with are Oath and... Uh, the quick hitters, like the little, you know, turn one, three, two flying Delvers. Um, matches up well against Storm, obviously. It's pretty good against Dredge. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, especially post-sideboard. Um, I think you're right. I think Stax is poised to make a comeback, especially with... Andy, you were mentioning the prices on Stax are way low, right? Yeah, I mean, not not way, way low, but they're, they're lower than they have been for a, a long time. Uh, for example, Sphere of Resistance is in and around the three-ticket mark. What?! That that's really low, and we haven't really seen what that deck can do with uh, Graft Digger's Cage. It was kind of out of favor when that came out, and that's going to go a long ways to helping its Oath matchup. Agreed. Yeah, and I, I think in in turn that's going to lead to a lot more Oath players bringing back the Ancient Grudges main again. I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of decks. You know, you've been you mentioned on the last podcast you're interested to see what M13 brings with Omniscience. Um, I don't know if that's going to have an immediate impact, but it looks like it is in Legacy. Um, are there any other decks we're not really thinking about that we haven't seen yet? Like personally, I have a, a digital boner for uh, Guys to Saint Treff, but I don't think we're going to see many people rocking that in the classic queues. Any, any other cards that we haven't really discussed that we might see in this tournament? Um, possibly Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand, good, good point, good point. We haven't really seen uh, any Grizzlebrand Oath decks yet, just purely because the events haven't been firing since that's been spoiled. Um, I've been messing around with um, a Laboratory Maniac Doomsday type list. I don't know if that's uh, that's competitive, but again, Lab Maniac's a card we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, Lab yep. Maniac was heavily hyped and a pretty big flop after it was released. So we haven't seen uh, a lot of miracles played yet either, and so there there may be some sort of classic miracle build with all our mystical tutors being available to us and such. Yeah, four mystical tutors and four temporal mastery sounds good. I mean, get get something on the board that has an effect, and bam, that's the best card in the deck. Um, what about Devastation Tide as well as an out to shops? Mm, 
The only thing about Devastation Tide that I kind of hate is why Hercules Recall is just better. Yeah, but Devastation Tide is uh, is hitting other things. It's not just hitting artifacts. Yeah, but I, I would think those would be your things. Yeah, sure. I mean, the thing about the thing about Devastation Tide that bothers me is it has two things going for it. Number one, if you hard cast it, it's ridiculously expensive. Number two, oh yeah. If you're playing against stacks, you got to find a way to go past the sphere effects and still use your mystical tutor or whatever else, and then still add that to the two cost of the miracle cost. So, uh, I I think I'd rather play Terminus. I think I just think it has more wide ranging applicability than Devastation Tide. You know, one of the cards that I think is actually pretty good is uh, one of the ones that we were first spoiled was the one that's the alternative to Lightning Bolt, the red one. That card, I mean, I, I still think it's pretty good. It's 25% of your life for one mana is no joke, and that hits most creatures outside of, like, the Grizzle Brands and the things that you need, you know, specialized uh, abilities to kill anyway. But, you know, Classic's also still the only place, really, besides Standard, where you can play cards like Mental Misstep, and uh, Stoneforge Mystic uh, has been making a... I think that card's much better. I mean, I think there's been some, you know, musings on the Classic Quarter forums lately that Stoneforge Mystic might be Classic playable too, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it probably is. Yeah, with Elbrus, it's the ultimate card. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you not in on the joke, Josh loves Elbrus the Binding Blade, so (laughs) it's not a joke to him. He runs it and he wins with it. He's beaten me with it. As sad as that is, he has done it. It's only one to clip. <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely we're we're all really excited about this tournament. Um, hopefully we get a lot of people in there. I mean, in all honesty, if we get ten people rocking ten ticks worth of donations each, that's five hundred tickets g- going towards the tournament right away from the first invitational. I mean, obviously that's a big uh, big jump and a big you know hopeful me talking, but I think your math might be a little off there. But fifty people at ten bucks each. Oh, I thought you said ten people at ten bucks each. No, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm hopeful as well that there'll be a sort of snowballing effect as uh, people start to hear of the big part in the Invitational. I'm hoping that more and more people will start to join in the subsequent qualifiers and, and, and boost the pool. So I think if we can get a nice um, kitty at the front to start off with, I think that could really build into something pretty special. Yeah, and I, when, I, when I was initially talking with Scott, this is, you know, a month, maybe a month and a half ago, we were had a late phone call talking about the league and, and our thoughts on it and everything else. I think my my biggest inspiration that I had was the idea of, like, a Vegas-style rolling jackpot. And if we get, you know, a majority of the donations on the back end of the Invitational, it just, I, I think you're right. I think it would absolutely just be like a... Uh, an interest increaser in, in, in all related um, facets. I mean, people look at it and they say, hey, I can win this card, I can win that card, and it's pretty cheap for me to enter. I mean, really, it's free. It, nobody has to contribute anything. We would obviously love for you to, but we don't want to make the new players who don't have huge collections feel like Classic's not a format they can get into. So that was that and the Code of Conduct are, are the two primary driving factors and the reason that we definitely you don't have to put a donation, but we strongly encourage it. And I think right now it's set up where 40% of whenever you make your donation is going to that, to the current upcoming qualifier, and then 60% is going on to the the big invitational jackpots. So. Yeah, the, the only problem with that, though, Josh, is that if 
we also gave people an option, which is donate foil cards. So if you give me a $10 foil, how do I 60-40 that? You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. we, we have to, like, we'll be transparent with everything. We're not talking about, you know, behind-the-scenes facts or anything else. But I, I think we have a, a, a lot of options to really get the money going in this thing. I mean... I know Scott's going to be, he said he's going to be quick to update his post that the top post, uh, detailing all the, the event details, uh, with up ongoing prize information. So people can see exactly what's going on. Yeah. And I, 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 I think we were mentioning too, we were going to have, we had some talk of like maybe a bot could be set up. It's obviously like a long-term thing, probably like qualifier two or qualifier three, maybe, but, uh, We'll try to make it as painless as possible for you guys to donate. I mean, you don't need to be hanging around the client hoping somebody's going to be on. You can pretty much any Magic Eternal member is uh, is trustable on that. Give them the cards, and, and they'll definitely make sure Scott gets it or whoever is holding the master account. Um, but, yeah, um, what, what do you think, Josh? You excited? You going to get in that first uh, season there? Yeah, I'm definitely going to play. not sure exactly what I'm going to play yet. Um you know, I've played some crazy decks before, but I don't know if I'll go a little more mainstream with this one or not. <laughs> yeah. You still gonna, you've been oathing it for quite a while. Are you still no, thinking? No, no, I'm not going to oath it. I absolutely, um, I, I I made mention of a card, and that card will be in my deck. Whatever I play, I will have at least one guys to St. Trap. Um, I have a deck that I've been playing. I actually have done really well with it, surprisingly well. I kind of made it as like a, a bit of a joke, but it's been... Uh, it's been really good. It's a lot of singletons, and um, we're only I'm only focused in a couple of areas, like Force of Will, Brainstorm, and uh, Snapcasters, but most of the rest of the deck is uh, Silver Bullets. And yeah, I, I think I'm going to run something similar to that. Um, I really like the way it has game against pretty much everything with the Silver Bullets. So. so what are you using to pull the Silver Bullets out? Just consistency with the, the tutors and the cantrips, or have you got... A suite of tutors there as well that are going after them. Lots of uh, lots of ways to dig through the deck. Four brainstorms, uh, mystical, demonic, imperial. Um, Libraries. I don't have a library. I have uh, my my lands are pretty varied, but since I'm running uh, since I'm running a lot of snapcasters, which is like my favorite card in the deck because the deck's so packed with you know incense and stuff. I'm actually running one of the Riptide Laboratories, which I. I like so far. It's, it's pretty okay. Not only that, it also gives you an out to Oath. If you have a Snapcaster in your hand and you want to get something down, you can rock that at the end of their turn and then on your turn put it right back in your hand, which is a pretty big benefit. That sounds pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's hard for Classic that I've seen so far to have an answer for Geist of St. Traft. I mean, it's just one of those cards where you know, you're either going to be playing Creatures and I have stuff for that, or you're going to be playing Targeted Removal and that's not very good. That's what I think I'm going to be playing. What are you What are you looking at, Andy? I've um, been having a little play around recently with uh, Laboratory Maniac Doomsday style decks. Um, I've put a list in the article. This is um, an earlier iteration. I've, I've moved on a bit from from where it's at now, but in terms of just ha- ha- wanting to put something in the article to talk about, um, this is the this is a list that that really started to. Um, act as a springboard for further development. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen the, the sort of Lombardry Maniac Doomsday um, kill before, um, but it seems to be pretty resilient. Um, has a lot of way of, of um, playing around hate. Um, very difficult deck to play, very unforgiving 
Um, I like the idea of playing it in the Invitational for the whole reason that the deck lists will be made public. So that gives me time to think about the sort of piles I might want to make in that matchup ahead of time. And it also means that you only have to really kind of mentally think about the piles in a short space of time, and then you probably won't play again until three or four days later, depending on how quickly the league games are scheduled. Um, so I think trying to play this type of deck in a daily event would be pretty uh, pretty taxing on the brain. So um, I think the kind of style of the format and the knowledge that we'll have of other people's decks um, make this an interesting choice. So the idea is to try and um, protect yourself early on, um, cast turn two or turn three Doomsday, it's possible to play Doomsday on turn one off of a Dark Ritual, but it leaves you tight on, on mana. Um, so typically play it on turn two or three. And the the usual pile, um, if everything's going well, is to have a Gataxian Probe on top, um, which you would then draw and use to look at your opponent's hand. As a result, you'd also um, draw the Mental Note, which is the second card in the pile. You'd cast the Mental Note, and from there, you would be binning the next two cards in the in in the deck. One of which will be the Laboratory Maniac, and from the Mental Note, you'll draw the fifth card in the pile, which is then the Unearth. You then unearth back the Laboratory Maniac, and you don't have any cards in your library, so all you need then to win is a draw trigger. Um, so there's uh, Senses Divining Tops to act as a draw trigger. There's Cataxian Probes. Um, or you can just take the turn um, and, and win that way. But it's, I say, really difficult. You have to think about the, the cards in the stack. You have to think about the mana. Um, and you also have to think about um, what your opponent can do and how much damage your opponent can do, given the life commitment of casting Doomsday. Um, so this is the, the current deck. You'll notice that there's an awful lot of counterspell protection in there with misdirections, Pact and Negation, which is, uh, which is great in the stack, in the pile. Um, and also packs um, some spell pierce as well for, for additional protection. So I like, I like the way the deck plays, but I'm having to practice a lot with it, um, keep learning and keep making some really silly mistakes, um, especially around the, the mana. Um, and, and just being mindful of things like your graveyard being exiled with Doomsday, um, making sure that if you have a fetched land, you crack it at the right time and you get the right mana so that you don't end up shuffling the pile, your five-card stack. And um, also just trying to build certain piles in unique situations. Um, for example, if you've got a failure on the table or if you um, have already got a piece of the combo in your hand. So I, I'm going to keep playing, keep testing with it, and see how it goes against various deck types. But at the moment, it's... Um, it's just trying to get get comfortable with the deck. Um, say the, the the recent iteration is now using um, using gush. Um, so we'll we'll keep we'll keep experimenting, keep toying around with it, and see what we can come up with. But um, yeah, not a lot of time before we have to register those decks for the uh, the first qualifier. Yeah, a little less than a week um, from when we're recording, anyway. Uh, this deck looks ridiculously hard. I'm I'm the type of guy who I love to pick up a complicated deck and make myself look like an idiot. But yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with you on this, buddy. That looks like. Uh, do you have win conditions outside of that? I'm trying to see. The other win condition is a tendrils of agony. Oh, okay, that's what I was looking. Oh, there it is. Um, I in in the build that's in the article. I've also jammed in the time vault voltaic voltaic key combo mm -hmm. um, as a as a backup plan to bide you enough time to be able to then take all the turns and win via via lethal tendrils 
the, the, the time vol voltaic key combo works because you have so much um, card digging and um, population and shooters, and sometimes you can dismise the win from those uh, those two cards. Um, the the key obviously combos nicely with the three senses divining tops, um, but in itself, it I don't know. I'm, I'm unsure about whether to jam that in or not, or whether I'm better off having another couple of pieces of protection or answers to hate. I love me some Sensei's Divining Top Voltaic Key combo. That's one of my... I think that's probably one of those cards that makes Voltaic Key that much more palatable for me to play, just because it combos mm. so well with that. I mean, I love free Dark Confidants every turn. I've, I've seen a lot of people um, kind of, like, miss on that as an interaction. They'll just kind of happen to have Sensei's Top in their, in their library, and uh, they'll have Key there as well, but they never seem to kind of abuse the two together. I don't know. It's strange. Um, but yeah, when, when you do when you do use it together, it's uh, it's really powerful. Um, yeah, and, and for reference, what Andy's talking about, you pull the trigger for the top to draw a card, and while the trigger's still on the top, of course, you untap it with the key, tap it again. You only have one top to put on top of the library, so you drew two cards and put your card on top, basically netting you a free card a turn. Yep. Um, so that's that's the deck, and then um, in the sideboard, there's. Uh, there's Dark Confidence there as well. Um, so we'll keep playing around. What about you, Josh? What do you think um, you might bring to the event? Or what have you been testing recently? Uh, I'm considering bringing in something with Lingering Souls. I've been kind of, kind of enjoying that card in Classic. Um, with all our targeted removal, it's, it's kind of hard for decks to deal with equipped flyers running around and stuff like that, so... When you get a bunch of tokens like that, it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I've been toying with the idea of um, Skullclan-based deck with uh, Bitter Blossom, black, black, white, basically, with uh, Dark Confidants, Bitter Blossoms, and Lingering Souls, and some Skullclams, and some uh, Garble Therapies. Um, but I haven't ever got around to putting it together, see if it's actually viable. But it sounds like fun. That's because you're building every single classic archetype that's ever been invented. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, kind of finished shops this week. Look at that. So, shops. Josh, what is this deck you have posted here? So this is a deck I played around with. I've only gotten one match in this week, and it really wasn't that much of a match, but I picked up the four Omniscience. And so this deck uh, tries to go real big with Omniscience and plays Conflux and... Uh, Crew Ultimatums and Emrakul and Karn Liberated and Gristlebrand. It's pretty crazy. It's been a pretty fun deck. Basically, uh, generally the pile I go for after I, I show and tell in an Omniscience would be to grab one Conflux uh, to go and get uh, like a Demonic Tutor, uh, an Armageddon, a Regrowth. Um, a crew ultimatum, something like that. So uh, I, I generally tend to regrowth my my demonic tutor because it's the only thing that can grab Emrakul and Karn since they're colorless. Yeah. And with Emrakul, you get the since you're casting it, you're not shown telling it in. You get the the time walk trigger off of it. So. Yeah, not just that. I mean, it can't be countered, so you yep. double win. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you've already Armageddon them, uh, 
what are they going to do? Yeah, not much. Plus, you can grab... I mean, I've got three conflicts in there, so you can grab really as much counter magic as you need to to stop them from doing anything else. It's got quite a bit of counter magic in the deck. I just looked on Nova, and they have Omniscience regular copies for $1.15. So... Before this deck breaks off anywhere, going big, I definitely suggest that's the kind of mythic you want to get during release events. Yep, I grabbed some foil ones, I think, when they were down to around five tickets. Wow, nice. And I think it's going to be a real player. I mean, it's already, Andy said someone's playing it in Legacy this weekend, so... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be a big deal, and I think it's going to make waves of some sort, good, bad, or ugly. Um, it's it's going to be <laughs> something. Um, you think it has any even standard? No. How do you get? I mean, there's play? no way to mise it into play, is there? Yeah, I'm I'm no. trying to think how the hell you'd get it into play. I mean, Legacy at least has so many options. You can even get it into play with what? What's that four mana one two guy? Academy Rector. Yeah, you can get Academy Rector. You can show and tell. You can uh, Eureka. You can do the, the time spiral version, which is the you know the I forget even the name, but the one that doesn't cost any mana and you have to wait a few turns. Or you can you know cascade into it. Um, there's a lot of ways to trick it into play in Legacy, but in Standard, I don't. I don't is there any way, Andy? Um, I can't think of any way. I can't think of any any. You can try and ramp up to 10 mana. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't even have Primeval Titan anymore soon, so even that's hard. Yeah, definitely. Um, we were talking earlier about cards which we haven't seen any impact on, or decks that we might like to try and play. And um, also, while we're on the subject of like an M13 card, uh, Trading Post seems to be gathering a bit of momentum in, uh, in Legacy Stacks decks. You know what's weird about that card is I've played... Four M13 events. I've done horribly in each one of them. But in three of the four, I've gotten Trading Post. And the card is freaking nuts. Even if you have no other artifacts, it's really good. Um, <laughs> so many decks I've, I've found, like, even in, let me just say, on the surface, on M13 level, it's so good. Because, I mean, there's so many cards it combos with. The four mana guy, you get two life for each token. I pay one life for a token, I gain two back. Bam, I also have free blockers. Uh, the black card, there's an uncommon 4-1 that costs five mana. Every time a swamp comes into play, you return them to your hand from your graveyard, so it's free four life gain. Um, there are a lot of really good cards. I actually used it to throw my uh, Archdemon of Greed, or whatever it is, the 5-5 five, five Exalted that lets you sacrifice guys. I bend him with my trading post, and I brought him back with some reanimation spells. Um it's really a good card, and it's one of those cards where I think in Classic, eh, maybe in a Stacks deck, but yeah, it's definitely seeing play in Legacy. What, what do you think about it? What are people doing with it? People are using that with uh, Worm Coil Engine, aren't they? Because you can stack your Worm Coil Engine to it. and bring it Yeah, oh, there's, there seems to be an, uh, a lot of different interactions with it. Um I don't know. I just I just thought I'd mention it since we were talking about an M13 card, but well, people have people have been running it in a kind of uh, white base stacks deck with like humilities and uh, sundial of the infinites and smoke stacks and oh that sounds really crazy cool. st- that sounds uh, cool Elspeths and Gideons and uh, 
you know, another card that I saw that, like, this is going to sound so stupid, but it made me think of Classic. It's this, uh, it's an uncommon, it's, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the junkiest uncommon. It's the one that's always left in the packs in M13. It's a four-mana artifact, and it says, tap two artifacts, colon, untap target artifact. And immediately, I'm just like, time vault, time vault, time vault, time vault, time vault. It's... You don't have to tap it. It can be one of the two that you tap. So that and a, a, a Mox or a, a, a Chrome Mox or, you know, any kind of a thing, even a Sensei Top, whatever you need, you get four mana out. That's a backup key. I, I don't know how viable it is. It's four mana. It doesn't do much. But it seems like it would have some sort of infinite interaction. Yeah, yeah definitely. Card two, I saw that in a pack. I don't know. I mean, we have so many cards now in our pool that it's like hard to even think of all the ones that might have an impact. I mean, how many are there? Like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. How many sets have been released? 30, 40? I mean, we've we've also, I guess in in previous podcasts, completely blanked on cards which have turned out to be really really good in the format. It can be really hard to evaluate oh individual cards and New Phyrexia is absolutely the best example of that. I still think to this day we all thought Hex Parasite was going to be the best card from that set. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Looking mm. back at it now. Who saw Delver coming? No one. I don't I don't think we did. I hey, I, did. I will say I saw Mental Misstep coming. Bam. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, maybe George that was a bit skeptical on Mental Misstep. Well, you guys always have... Past in flame to put your hat on. Yeah, yeah. One day, one day, past in flames will will own you. <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. What's what's the next set that's coming out? Are we expecting anything out of Ravnica? I mean, what's what are the mechanics? Do we have any idea on that yet? There's one card that's been spoiled already, but there was, um, with proliferate. Proliferate. What does yeah. proliferate do? I forget. What's that code? What is that mechanic? I think, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong, is that if it, if a permanent's got a counter on it, when you cast proliferate, uh, yeah, you add yeah, yeah. a counter oh, to it. It adds counters. I got it. I am out of it. That's I don't think we've ever seen a, a proliferate card in Classic, that, to my knowledge, anyway. doesn't have a lot of applicability for Classic. I guess Planeswalkers, but there's not a Classic Poison deck or anything like that. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really hidden. Sadly. But yeah, so, you know, I, I want Josh to kind of bring us into the next segment here. It's it's kind of his brainchild, and uh, go ahead and take it, Josh. Let, let us know what you think here and what you did. So I thought it'd be interesting to, uh, to help build the community if we had sort of a community spotlight type section. And so we just asked a few quick questions just to see how people got into the format and what they like to play. And there was no better person to ask this week than uh, our own Clanny Enderfall. And he is Scott, and he lives in New Jersey here. Um, and we asked him how he got into the format, and he said he started playing back in 1995, so he fondly remembers playing with the classic cards that we have, the most powerful effects. And so it just seemed like the right place to go. He also likes playing counter spells, which is something that newer formats don't get to play with much anymore. So that was a good reason to come over to the classic world. Um, we asked if he could play any deck, what would it be? He said he enjoys playing 
Jace decks, um, but for his Spike deck of choice, he would probably play Storm, which obviously is a pretty good choice for that. I don't think and, there's anything more spiky than Storm, is there? No. Uh -huh. Necro Spike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not legal anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we asked what his uh, proudest accomplishment is involved with MTGO, and he said he's most proud of his own article series on MTGO Academy called Unlocking the, Ev the Vault. Um, and I know he does a lot of different primers on the different archetypes over there and does a lot to help newer players, if they want to get into the format, learn what decks are available to them and what they should expect to see out there. Yeah, his article series is uh, really solid, and I recommend uh, anyone who's interested in the format to go over and have a look at those uh, those articles, definitely. definitely. His primers have been really good, um, telling new people what to uh, what to pick up and the kind of basic interactions to look out for. So he recently wrote an article on uh, the state of Classic and uh, pointed to the fact that Classic was dead, and that sparked a lot of discussion and a lot of debate. I'm I'm really happy you mentioned that. I was getting ready to say that was actually the impetus for freaking out a little bit and thinking about what we could do to, uh, you know, draw a little interest back in all of our favorite formats. I mean, classic is ridiculously fun. It's just underplayed, and Scott draws really good attention to uh, to things that I guess aren't on the forefront of everyone's tongues, but maybe are on the forefront of their minds. And I think it's, it's a pretty cool insightful series and I, I wholeheartedly agree I think everybody should go check it out I know that was exactly the reason he wrote that particular article was to try and drum up some conversation and get people back interested so that we weren't all sitting around being lethargic about the format yeah agreed agreed um I think it's a pretty cool idea to have this series and have somebody we can spotlight every week. Um, what do you think? Are you open to feedback from like listeners if they have anybody in particular they want to hear about? Do you want to hear about in the comments? Yeah, people can certainly send in nominations for people they'd like to to learn more about. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names that you see over and over in playing classic and you don't necessarily talk to them very often. So I think it'll be cool to just bring everyone closer together. And as we get events going here, it should be a fun series to continue. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, in the past, we've had um, had guests on the show, and uh, that's been a good way of getting uh, getting to hear people's views of the format and uh, also getting to, uh, to hear more about them. I think that's something that we'll continue to do going forward as well. Definitely. Immediately, I have three names that pop to the front of my head that I'd like to personally hear. If you want to get the debate started, would be uh, Cat Weasel, aka Wiz Nazi, Wizard Not of the Coast. Uh, love to hear Naoto. Uh, he's been on the show before, great guy, but I'd love to hear more about him. Uh, and also, of course, Mr. Excorpio, who's uh, a classic veteran. Those are the things I'd like to hear. Yeah, I'd also like to see uh, Richie, uh, Mr. Goblin. <laughs> hey, Richie, you still need to pay up on that bet and come on this show, chump. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. What was that bet, after all? Ah, it was a Cowboy Charger-related bet. 
Yeah. So it would be good to get. Yeah. I think, you know, in the past as well, we've um, had members from uh, Waxy on as well, and that's been really successful, uh, most notably Tom Appelle. So it would be good to try and get uh, get some more views from inside Waxy headquarters as well. Definitely, guys. Um, there was some uh, lively debate on uh, the Classic Quarter um, earlier last week um, around uh, more speculation of the Power Nine, um, where um, Walkworth, Walksy Worth, um, uh, kind of mentioned that um, the, the Power Nine was now uh, definitely top of his mind, and that he was um, basically saying that the, the Power Nine will eventually come to, to Magic Online. So. That's good to hear for all those people that are waiting for those nine cards. Agreed. I think somebody named Andy was waiting for that announcement, too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think a lot of people are waiting for it. I think he may have even thrown out some wild speculation of when we'd get the power now. <laughs> Andy, that doesn't sound like him. You must be thinking of somebody else. Well, I, I thought it would be really cool if they, uh, if they trialed the power nine at the uh, upcoming Community Cup. Yeah, agree. I don't know how likely that is, but in, in previous community cups, they've used it to uh, to trial new formats. Um, our old uh, co-host George was lucky enough to get to the community cup, and um, at that particular event, they they trialed modern. We saw how that went on to be successful in both paper and digital. So it would be it would be fantastic if uh, if the community cup was a way to play with the Power Nine for the first time online. Oh, great! Um, Hopefully somebody from the classic community will be there to to represent us and um, report back. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys were both mentioned as possible candidates for the classic community, so it'd be sweet to have one of you go. Yeah, I'd definitely pick Andy over myself. I'm uh, sort of hectic with my current situation, and uh, I think Andy's done a lot to bring the... Uh, Bring the classic community to the forefront. This guy's always been involved, so uh, my vote would definitely <laughs> yeah. be there. Uh, I, I, live, I live too far away, though, guys. <laughs> oh, don't and play. Plus, what I, are you uh, talking about? There are people from all over who go. Don't give me that. They do make planes that go there. <laughs> <laughs> planes? Really? You're from that backwater place. Oh, yeah, they're doing the Olympics right now. I think we could figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. The Olympics has been great fun this week. Been taking up a lot of my time and uh, dragging me away from Magic Online for a bit as well. Yeah. So. Well, we've got a lot to look forward to coming up here, so I'm excited. Definitely. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Um, we haven't really decided what our format's going to be. Um, three working adult males. We haven't really figured out if we're going to be doing this as a weekly series or a semi-weekly series. We're going to kind of try it out both and uh, see what's happening. I know Andy said he's probably not going to be around next week, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, as soon as the events start firing again, guys, looking at you, the community, to get out there and fire them, we'll be back to weekly. But um, until then, it's difficult to keep the show on the road. So get in those queues, get those daily events firing. M13's the payout now, so there's no excuse. And I think the uh, the tournament will have a good effect. I mean, we'll have some classic games being played that are being spotlighted. So, Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, and before That's... I forget, uh, Josh and Scott both have, uh, I guess, volunteered to record a lot of these games. So 
if we have a channel, if we do something, we already have a Magic Eternal YouTube channel. But if we decide to spotlight some of these games, we'll throw them in our articles too to give you guys some extra content. Um, you're cool with that, right, Josh? Yeah, if you see either me, I am Cronin in client or Enderfall uh, when you're playing in this league. Uh, when you're going to play your match, just let us know and we can record the match and uh, start getting some of those up. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, guys. I think that's it for this week. Um, Andy, you want to wrap us up here, bro? Yeah, sure. I'd just like to take the opportunity to thank PureMTGO.com for hosting us and MTGOTraders.com for uh, sponsoring us. So we've enjoyed the show this week, guys. Um, hopefully you'll get out there and fire some cues, and we'll see you in seven with some hopefully fire tournament results. All right, guys. See you later. Later.